Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, jury selection has begun in the Derek Chauvin murder trial in Minneapolis. You've been watching this, right, Binkley? Yeah, I've been watching it, and it's pretty interesting. It's very telling on the the bias that people have adopted over the course of the past year. Because this is the story where Derek Chauvin was the cop who had his knee on George Floyd's neck while George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe, and then died. And they have actually put out video just this week that was more comprehensive, like 30 minutes of video, start to finish, kind of coincidence. I don't know. But anyway, so Derek Chauvin is alone on trial right now, right? Yes, he is alone on trial. And some of the questions that they've asked jurors is they've asked them how they feel about Black Lives Matter. They've asked them how they feel about Blue Lives Matter. There was one instance where one of the potential jurors was being asked about all those things, all the similar all the similar themes that we've seen in the news over the course of the past year related to George Floyd, race relations in America, those types of questions, almost like they're doing a a survey to find out how people feel about the most controversial hot button issues of the past year, except it's being done in the context of jury selection. And you can tell right away, in my opinion, who's going to side with who or who's going to, you know, vote so for the, in favor of the defense. The potential the- jurors are being screened on live TV. You get to see yes, their faces. This is, yes. No, you don't see their faces, but you do hear their voice. Oh. And one of the potential jurors, express concern that they would be targeted if they were part of the trial, that they would be targeted by BLM. And of course they would be concerned. I, I think anybody who's involved in this trial should be concerned about that. This is a public display. You know, We don't have to get asked these questions live on television. You can hear people's voices and you can find out the information about who these jurors are. Information is already leaked about some of them. But what it feels like in the the jury questioning that's a great point by the way it's you don't really see this you know you rarely i've never watched a jury selection questioning live on tv before maybe it's been live on tv before but never has it been publicized like this this in and of itself is a form of propaganda it's almost like they're questioning these people demonstrating the effectiveness of the propaganda of the course of the past year there's a show on netflix called trial by media and it's, it's about how the media determines the verdict of some cases before it ever goes to trial, kind of poisoning the well, making it nearly impossible for that person to get an actual fair trial. And I think what we're going to see here is I don't think there's a chance if there this were no media coverage and no controversy surrounding it, I think there's almost a zero chance that Derek Chauvin would get convicted. I, I, I just with the it comes to the fentanyl in George Floyd's system, which was at fatal levels. When it comes to the deaths, the uh, coroners who investigated the death, two of them finding that they didn't find the death related to the knee, but they did find the drugs in his system, and the fact that he was shouting "I can't breathe" while standing up, and the really damning one is going to be that Chauvin. When you look at the manual. He was following his training. That doesn't mean it's good. The training can be bad, but the training's not on trial. He is. Are you 100% positive of that? Because I saw mixed interpretations. I guess the interpretation could, you know, there's a. But did you read it yourself? 
I saw it. It's been a little while since I looked at it, but when I when I looked at it, it was pretty clear that it okay. he was following. I, I've read some of those trainings before, right. and w- another thing they put in those training manuals, at least the old ones, is they put the thing where you handcuff dead bodies, and it's the training manuals have some pretty intense and strange things in them, and the cops learn to to follow those. Now I think they've already gone and. and change some of that in minnesota well they vary yeah they vary from region to region and it seems very clear to me that in the 21st century policing from obama as well as what came out in the capitol hill task force that we talked about yesterday clearly it's all about normalizing policy even if they can't make a federal law about it they do it behind the scenes by coordinating between federal and local but i have a few comments about what you said already before we move on is that they they tend to try they really try hard if not i mean always that the jury pool should not be should be people who never ever watch the news are totally <laughs> oblivious which is possible i mean i was yeah. listening to one of the many robert barnes who we're going to talk to today his um discussions of this case he said you would be surprised how many people are truly untainted by the media it gave me hope for humanity to be honest but really it's interesting yeah yeah ahead. Because he's he says that they, most people do voir dire stupidly. He can't he cringes when he sees other lawyers do it. It's you have to have some uh, a little deeper sense than what you normally see. But that's why they sequester juries and stuff. They don't want you to see the news or anything during the process. But it seems like there has been an effort to taint the jury pool broad and wide and far. And he says you just you can just move it over one district or two and get rid of that if you want to. But but I don't, I don't see here. I don't know if that's possible. Because with social media and that stuff poisoning people's brains, yeah, he thought it was possible. Put, maybe in this it is. case, in this maybe, case, maybe interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation he had on Sunday. It was live stream. It was good. Uh, so, I also think that normally you would not witness voir dire because it's kind of boring. They ask questions that you wouldn't expect. Are you but talking about this, jury selection when you say that? Yes. So, when you're talking to them like this is so people are going to be watching this unusually much this particular thing so i agree with you it's just an opportunity for the lawyers i'm assuming the well whatever i don't know who the lawyers are or what their agenda is but it is an opportunity to get those ideas out into the world to a wrapped audience it is so it's just a propaganda opportunity Mm -hmm. and i thought it was totally weird that the the defense wanted to bring a third charge in because if you're right and this guy could never get convicted on second degree, you would leave that third degree out so that the you just get you get dismissed. Otherwise, the jury will go for the third degree. You see, I saw that yesterday, and then I saw later in the day an article that said it was prosecution wanting the third charge in. And then I saw another article that it was saying that the defense wanted the third charge in. I got real confused over that because I agree with you. I thought it was strange too because that actually increases the likelihood that he's going to get convicted if that third charge is brought in. I'm going to try to find some clarity on that later today. Cause it, yeah. it, if you want, I mean, I do recommend this Robert Barnes, his thing. It's with uh, Viva Frey on YouTube. It was a live streamer. He talks about this on Sunday. Um, so it, it, I'm sure it's illuminating. He's like, that guy is the... I he, think this... He gets it. Yeah, I think this case is just to cause chaos and division 
in Minneapolis and across the country. I really don't, and I'm not saying that it's terrible that what happened. The whole thing is a terrible situation, but with the law and everything, it, it's complicated. It doesn't boil down just to the optics of it when it comes to the, the legal process. I just don't think there's a, a legitimate chance that he would get convicted unless, unless this is proving that the power of the digital mob can over, you know, overtake the power of following the legal process. Yeah. But what so what do you think the agenda is with the the law enforcement preparation happening in Minneapolis? Well, see, they have a thing called Operation Safety Net that they are implementing. And this is a coordinated emergency preparedness response with the city of Minneapolis, the the county and the state of Minnesota and federal partners working on a coordinated safety plan during the trial and after the verdict. It's collectively known as Operation Safety Net. They've allocated $36 million to this, this multi-layer security that they're building. They're building fencing around around the courthouse. Hmm. They're Interesting. Having, having local businesses also create their emergency preparedness plans. They're urging them to do that. They're getting ready for Ferguson... 4.0. So we can see a pattern here between Portland, Capitol Hill, Minneapolis about building walls and fences around federal or government properties, which I think would be, I, I, I think that there is a dangerous possibility there that that's designed to intimidate lawmakers, like they're doing this for the military and law enforcement, intimidate those who do not go along with the plan. So it's like the Q people would say there's a military coup against the bad guys. And I'm saying where it, it may well be that there's a military coup in support of intimidating some of Congress and this kind of stuff folds in there. I don't really know, but clearly there's a pattern. Clearly there's an agenda. Clearly the part of the agenda is coordinating across branches of government and state and local and federal, all of that stuff. Obviously, they're trying to get everybody on the same page. I agree. And it, I wonder, too, if all of the evidence is presented, let's say they present this this case live and it's clear that there is no legal bounds for the charge. It's not going to change a thing in the minds of the people who think that justice needs to be served. So I, I just think this could really just show how powerless the legal system is at this point in time in our current culture. Yes, I think that there's a real problem about the uneven application of law, not holding to the law, the court looking at laws and judging them based on their policy objective and not actually just applying the law. We have an absolute crisis in the separation of powers in this country. That's just it's just not working. And I also think there's something fishy about the Chauvin case in that when I look at the Chauvin's mug shots we know if he's been arrested in the past or at least charged with malfeasance i'm not sure he was ever in an orange jumpsuit but he looks a lot older now not just one year older and i look back at those videos and i don't see i don't know if you looked back and watched the whole 30 minutes of george floyd how many of those people were wearing masks if any and if those ma if it if you look closely make sure it wasn't photoshopped or whatever people should have been wearing masks back then wasn't that long ago. And then in one of those videos, I noticed, and I always think this is pretty suspect, when the cop cam or the dash cam uh, is has the wrong timestamp on it, 
according to what the official narrative says. So I think that games have been played about when this actually happened. I think that yeah. the timing of the release, there's a possibility of that. I'll go back and look at those 30 minutes of video to see if that makes me feel more or less like that's the case. We'll see. Yeah, I'm open to being persuaded. I just, the legal process, the whole thing's terrible situation. Oh, well, we'll see. I, we'll I, see. I, this, yeah. this will know the answer. False flags, you don't always know the answer. Right. This, we're going to have an outcome. You know, I worry about the people who go to protest because people are going to get hurt. It's going to be dangerous. There's People might die. And, and there's going to be people there who don't realize that this is a setup to cause conflict. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's a good rule across the board here. So uh, to lighten up a little bit, I don't know if you saw this, but there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of image manipulation around Biden. Of course, it has to be both ways. People want to say he's great. People also want to say that he is uh, losing his mind. Part of that theme is that he won't answer questions. This is going to be a kind of meme rising or theme rising. Yesterday was a totally weird example where he ends up at the, he goes for a photo op, I guess, or whatever, a glad handing opportunity at a local hardware store that benefits from the $2 trillion COVID relief bill. So glad that guy gets, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever. And he, and the press was there, obviously it was a photo op and they asked some questions which he would not answer and uh, I just think it's funny because it's clear when they're unfolding a theme and this is obviously one of those themes well he's doing a tour this is his big tour he's going on he's going around to local businesses to demonstrate how effective the stimulus package is the economic relief that he's bringing because he's running for office or what I mean that just seems like a weird thing to do yeah, I, I saw heard Chris Cuomo talking about it last night uh, that Biden was going to be given his first talk, and it's been a hundred years since somebody a president has waited this long to give their first speech after being elected, and the talk is going to be all about coronavirus and all about the stimulus. And he's going on the road. Well, maybe he's got to. Uh, I, maybe he's trying to help the. Democrats who got it passed. I did notice one thing that I hadn't mentioned before or noticed before about the COVID relief bill is that it is ushering in the biggest changes to the Obamacare Act since its inception. And I think it's this huge boon to insurance companies. It's given, it's greatly subsidizing people who uh, need to get the insurance off of the insurance exchange. And I feel like there's there are all sorts of benefits to insurance and big pharma with this pandemic. Uh, but I wanted to say about insurance that if you, if I don't like regu- regulated insurance at all because I think it's bad for the consumer. So I don't think it's just like free market, yay. It's that insurance of all things in a really competitive, a truly free market insurance regime your interests and the insurance companies are perfectly aligned. So for health and life insurance, they will they will set your rates based on your habits, your longevity. So your rates will go down if you are healthier and, and they expect you to live longer. But when it's super highly regulated or competition is limited, then insurance rates do not reflect your aligned interests, they reflect the regulator's preferences, and then the regulators benefit the insurance companies by allowing them to sell insurance in their town or whatever. So they 
the government hijacks the insurance company's ability to influence behavior. And the insurance company's ability to influence behavior is totally aligned with your interests, whereas the government's is agenda-driven. So I hate it when the government promotes insurance because that even that act in itself is, I mean, if you're, if you're overly incented to buy insurance, life insurance, then your wife is overly incented to kill you. Like they literally, yeah, seriously, yeah. they literally look, they will not let you overinsure because they're afraid it will motivate your beneficiary. I mean, yeah. it's really, really wacko. But insurance, I think I, I'm a big fan of like pure statuary or what do you call it? Is it a stat, statuary? A statuary? Yeah. We that live kind in a of world thing. of perverse incentives. What? We live in a world of we perverse incentives. We live, yes, absolutely. Yes. And moral hazards, I would say. <laughs> Moral hazards. Sounds like a band name. Moral ha- The moral hazards now to the stage. <laughs> so fast food restaurants in the age of COVID have transformed. We've all all noticed that. The fast food lines are they they've been widened. They've been more lanes. The Chick Fil A is the it's so efficient when you go to Chick Fil A. Even if there's like a hundred cars now, which often there is, you still get through that line pretty quickly. But They've taken it up, not just Chick-fil-A, a lot of companies have taken up the idea of speeding up the process of getting your fast food order to the next level with massive data collection and predictive ordering. Burger King is implementing something called deep flame technology to propel its drive throughs into the future with a Big Brother-like AI system. And this deep flame technology, what it does is it, it suggests foods that are particularly popular in the area that day. It uses other factors as well, like the weather to highlight, you know, maybe an ice drink over a hot drink. It uses Bluetooth technology that will be able to identify customers in the Burger King loyalty program and show their previous orders. If a customer ordered like a Sprite and a Whopper with cheese, then the deep flame will calculate the chance, calculate that the chances are higher that this customer will repeat that same order and mcdonald's is implementing something similar except they're using an ai technology from israel that creates personalized digital promotions for the specific people driving up to the drive-through window and this technology which bk there's a parent company of bk horton's burger king tim horton's and popeyes that want to have these predictive personalized systems at more than 10,000 locations across North America by 2022. It It's basically the Amazon of the drive-through fast food restaurant, data collection. I was watching a really fascinating video. I don't know if you saw it. It was, it was uh, like Bitcoin, the, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, like their future of crypto and how, I don't know if they're going to hijack Bitcoin or what it was, but it was by George Gammon, who's the rebel capitalist where I first heard Robert Barnes. It was a really great video. It kind of went viral there for a week. And he talked about how Christine Lagarde herself, I, I think she's the head of the IMF right now, but she's a big financier um, bureaucrat in Europe. And she was saying about the social credit score would be merged with your access to digi dollars. And it would include healthy food choices. 
Wow. And and when Bloomberg first came out and was banning sugary drinks, I thought they are going to have a tax where you get one sugary drink. You know, I wonder someday they'll have the tech to say you already had a sugary drink this week. If you want another one, you have to pay double. Like I thought <laughs> they would tie tax to behavior. Yeah, I did it on WSB. Yeah. I could find it. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if this folds into that. I'm sure it does. Just think about what you can learn about a person if you have all of their food orders in a database that you can easily access and create a personalized ad for. You know, these recommendations we get on Amazon are already scary enough. Now we're going to start getting them in the food industry as well. Now, Burger King was also in the news the other day because of their social justice move where, <laughs> well, their attempted misunderstood social justice move. This was on International Women's Day. Burger King tweeted, women belong in the kitchen. And, of course, outrage, <laughs> outrage did ensue after that. But everybody who was mad about it. See, we talk often about how people just read the headlines, never read any further than just the headlines. Had everybody who was angry about this tweet continued to read further, they would find that this was Burger King's attempt to virtue signal and show that they are aligning with you know the Great Reset and everybody else. Because after they said women belong in the kitchen, the tweet right below it said, if they want to, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. And we're proud to be launching a new scholarship program which will help female Burger King employees pursue their culinary dreams. So they were actually doing the whole equality thing, but they prime, but the first thing they put up seemed like it was chauvinistic and I guess nobody just read further. They only saw the headline and everybody was mad at him. Well, it was an attention grabber, but I think yeah. it points out to me that it's 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 okay to cook for money but not for love. Like that's so it's <laughs> it's always it's always wrong to serve your family. It's like it's better for you to go be a secretary and make exactly as much as you have to pay in daycare. So long as you're not taking care of your own kids, but it's also okay to be a pediatric nurse or a daycare. You know, it's okay to your, if your job is to be a kindergarten teacher, but it's not okay if you're a mom who homeschools your kindergartner. Like, and that almost feels like it's just that tax trap where if everybody yeah. monetizes their labor, then you can tax everybody. But if you labor for love, they can't tax that. So it's okay if you want to work as a cook, but it's not okay if you just want to cook. I think that's fine. I did for International Women's Day or whatever it was called. I, I had a quote. I almost tweeted it. I almost tweeted it. But I uh, it said, I was going to say, listen to my podcast because I'm a woman. <laughs> and then and I was just going, ah, no, listen to it because it's awesome. And I just, I wondered what the reaction would be if I just outright made fun of it like that. I imagine I would get, I, and plus, I, you know, I just, I wonder if people would, people can get really, really mean uh -huh. if you make fun of their social justice things. They would get really upset about it. They get upset about that stuff because I'd be making fun of everyone. I know, just, yeah, it. right. Yeah. I just wonder what the planning session was for this Burger King PR stunt. To see, well, like if, if they thought it they through. They take chances. Or, yeah. You know, some, yeah. some companies are like that. They're known for taking their chances. And I think, oh, I was thinking of Jack from Jack in the Box, not, not BK. Jack is a little edgier. 
Oh, Jack's Burgers? Then the King. Jack in the Box. Okay, yeah. With that, do you have Jack in the Box? No. I've heard oh, of it. okay. Jack Jack in the Box is a Jack in the Box. Like he's a normal guy in a suit, but he has a big giant head. You know, like a Jack in the Box would have with a little pointy uh-huh. hat. And he's totally edgy. Oh, he would say edgy. stuff like that. he's super edgy. Yeah. So yeah. he would like he beats people up and stuff. And he's just a jack in the box. But he would. He would say something like that. So Burger King, I don't know. But if it was Jack, I would totally be like, that's ah, just Jack. The Burger King mascot is so creepy. All of our fast food totally. mascots are so creepy. Why does his head have to be giant? It's so he's so a king big. with a giant head. It just And makes he's no got sense. this big creepy smile on it. Yeah. In our last big story of the Free 30, we're going to try and answer the question, what are they spraying inside your building? But before that, I want to tell you about what's going to be in the Patron 15, which is Brian Stelter, shirt shortsing goes over like a lead balloon, and the Vax apartheid might feel a lot like a racial apartheid. And I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, which is Neighbors Feed and Seed, NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Neighbors has everything that you need for good living, for sustainable living, for healthy living. They have chicken seed, bird seed, organic dog food, dog treats, organic heirloom seed packs. You can call the shop, talk to Bill, email Bill personally. You'll get the best customer service you're going to find around town. Check out Neighbors Feed and Seed. And for all of our Propaganda Report listeners, you can get 20% off of Neighbors Feed and Seeds organic and non-GMO seed pack grab bag if you just type in the coupon code PROPREPORT when you check out, and you will get that 20% off discount. And Monica, I know you have an announcement. Yes, we are Neighbors is hosting our Atlanta meetup yet again. And I I do have to buy the tickets straight to Atlanta just to make sure that I do not get interfered with on my way. But we have set a date and time. It is Sunday, April 18th, 2 p.m. at Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna. Parking is a little uh, touchy. So if you have someone you can carpool with, do that. But we're going to have some fun. It was fun last time. And I'm really looking forward to it. It was a blast last time. Had a great turnout and everybody had a lot of fun. And we had Monica there virtually for a little while. It'd be good to have you there in person this time. I've been asked already to lead the sing-along we did have a sing-along so, at the thank end god jj boogie will be there because he <laughs> yes. is going to have to lead the sing-along yes awesome and if you haven't yet check us out on rockfin.com rockfin is a platform that i describe as being kind of like youtube meets netflix where you pay ten dollars for the contact creator that you subscribe to but then you get access to all the creators that are on the platform we're on there sam Tripoli's on there scott adams Mike Cernovich, Whitney Webb, a lot of great content creators are on there, and the platform is growing because of all the censorship, the paywall is giving creators a level of protection on platforms that value free speech. And what we do on there is we deconstruct the panel discussions from the Council on Foreign Relations, Chatham House, Brookings Institution, and we break down all the ways that these quote, elites, these unelected people are trying to shape policy and shape the world that we live in. It's very eye-opening to hear from the horse's mouth what they're planning to do and then watch it play out in real time in the weeks that follow. Always very, very interesting to dive into that. So check that out at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And now on to our final story of the day. Okay, the I just read this in a couple of different places. It made me a little worried for you all in Georgia and Tennessee. The EPA 
uh, approved a chemical air treatment quote against COVID despite this is a an a headline from the Children's Defense Fund despite known health hazards Georgia and Tennessee are fr- the first states to gain approval to diffuse a chemical known to trigger asthma and other serious respiratory illnesses throughout government buildings healthcare and food processing facilities and intrastate transport it's called green yard pure and it said that they are going to have an emergency exemption for this stuff that so this is the problem for me with the emergency authorization of the FDA approval the uh this emergency exemption if you believe in the regulatory state which i don't but if you do at least the compromise with the regulatory state is there's some scrutiny some transparency they have to go through a process their approvals have to meet certain standards but in this day and age with covid they're avoiding even those approval processes and they're putting in emergency authorizations which do not imply any standard of approval they're simply authorizing it meaning you won't get in trouble because this is an emergency so they're they're spraying this antiviral thing or disinfectant into the very air you breathe which is known to have some adverse health effects in some people but i would say there's also an effect that they are simply don't address which is the effect of on your immune system and your general health and your own body's ability to protect itself from from invasive microbes such as they are by disinfecting everything. If you have good bacteria in your system, that's the problem with antibiotics generally is it is not a healthier way for your body to function. So I I think that this should be getting a little more press and it certainly is not getting much press at all. There's also like another uh, kind of similar thing, although it looks like it's just it's just a lighting thing and not an actual chemical agent. I'm not sure, but the World Economic Forum had a blog post about the urban sun in the Netherlands. It's like a drone that emits these UV radiation <laughs> waves Jeez. that aren't the harmful UV, but it will show you a yellow circle that's a zone of disinfected cleanliness area that can be like outside at night, whatever. And if you're in the cone of, of sterilization, you should feel safer about COVID. It is the craziest thing. And the ad for it looks like it is straight out of a dystopian sci-fi movie. Of course, what the else can be cone of sterilization. That's what I call it. But you should look. It's called the Urban Sun, and it's in, on the World Economic Forum. It's kind of crazy. That is but nuts. by coincidence, by coincidence, we got a an, a comment from a patron of ours who's in the Netherlands, which I did not know. He wanted to clarify for us that Holland is a part of the Netherlands, the way England is a part of UK. I guess we did, I did not know that. I thought that was synonymous, Holland and the Netherlands, but it's not. But he also said that your story yesterday about the kind of sex ed for kids with naked old people he only even found out about that on facebook so it wasn't really a mainstream media story there and anyway i thought that was interesting really that's what he said and also i have a 
a shout out, a couple of shout outs. We've got some new patron saints and patrons. So I want to shout out Chris M and Kelly. Thanks for joining. And then we have some all-time great supporters, Akil, Ben R, Jim C. Thank you so much for all your support over the years. And also a shout out from Patrons of Ours, a podcast that I've been on, Mike Drop Podcast, which the, I think it's not. It's They're selling themselves short, but the mic stands for Mildly Intelligent Conversations. <laughs> but they want to shout out the Propaganda Report, Brad and Monica, that's us, freeing our minds from the grips of the mainstream media. Thanks again for everything you do. Our shout out goes to you. Our tinfoil hats go off to you. So many <laughs> well, thanks. Well, don't leave them off for too long. Yeah, that's true. You know, I have this suspicion that that uh, tinfoil hats have gotten a bad name. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the patron 15. All right, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. If you want access to that extra content we were telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron or rockfin.com slash propaganda report and join there. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.